I'm sure you have many questions. Here, amidst the stars of our own galaxy, we shall seek the answers. Together. Captain! Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Starfleet Command. What's happening? Context Starfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Starfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Starfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I just got out of the bathroom. That's why uh, you attempted to, to have a call with me. Uh-huh. Frequently, what'll happen is uh, is you'll you'll slack me. Yeah. That's what it's called, right? When you slack call someone. Yep. I slacked you. You slacked me and I wasn't around for the call. And you fucking clobbered my nuts on Twitter over it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what I'm starting to understand is that when, like, when you ask for 15 more minutes before we sit down to record, it's usually because you're going to finish the episode right at record time, and Uh then you're going to take a nice, luxurious poop. Often that's the order, right? That's the right order. (laughs) Yeah. I want to come out of an episode at the end ready to burst (laughs) with... With thoughts <laughs> and other stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. I envy you. I envy you your functioning plumbing, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of my functioning plumbing, I'm a part of a very small HOA. <laughs> and I got an email earlier in the week that was like, does anyone know, like all caps, does anyone know why our water bill has doubled? Wow. And like we see the graph and we're all in the same yeah. thing. Like one bill to rule them all. The HOA pays the bill? Yeah. Okay. It's a nice arrangement. Hey, that's good. Here's the problem though. This is phantom water. No one has any idea why this has happened or if there's a leak. Yeah. Or if someone is just taking four hour showers. <laughs> It's impossible to know. Everyone has chimed in. All of our units have chimed in and been like, I have no idea what this is about. Yeah, weird. It's mystery water. Man. And uh, and nobody's copping to it. Well, no. I mean, we're having a drought. It's possible that they just raised water prices, right? No, but this is based, the graph was consumption. It wasn't cost. Oh, okay. So huh. it was like total gallons. Wow. I think it's got to be a mistake. Yeah. Unless there's a leak. That happens. From like under the, the place, under the compound. We had that happen with, I think, our energy bill where it came in and it was like, hey, you owe us like $700 for last month's energy usage. And we were like, what? <laughs> it's such a nightmare. Yeah. That is a bad surprise. Yeah. And then, the you know, my wife, who is really good at this kind of thing, fought the energy company until they admitted that it was a mistake. I might need your wife's phone number. <laughs> You're not getting it, freak. For this HOA water bill thing. <laughs> I mean, her new one, not the one that she blocked me from. Yeah. The deal over here is the uh, the sewer pipe leading from our house to the city street was 98 years old. And I say that in the past tense because they're replacing it as we speak. And the eight-year-old inside of me is like dying to get off the pod because there is a backhoe with a with like a jackhammer attachment on the long arm. And they're like digging up the street and dumping the dirt into the back of a pickup, uh, not a pickup truck. What's the big kind of, like an earth mover truck? Are you talking about a dump truck? A dump truck, yeah. Yeah. 
I guess I've just totally like recategorized dump truck as a thing you call a butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know it's real when you get the uh, the backhoe with the spike attachment. Yeah, and that's what they've got. That thing is for real. They worked on the street for a little while yesterday and then they had to stop early. Did they return it to your nightstand after <laughs> they were done using it? Uh, no, they had to stop early because it broke a cable. Like they like seriously damaged their equipment digging up the street in front of my house. Wow. So they had to knock off early and go fix it. And they're back today. And it's just been all I could do to to not sit in the front room watching lovingly out the window as these as these hardworking gentlemen tear the ever-loving shit out of the street. <laughs> you kind of skipped over the most important part for the most entertaining part, but I want to get back to the most important part. Have you been able to use your bathroom since this work started? Yeah, they've been really good about They warn me when it's going to get disconnected, but they'll be like, hey, so uh, we just unhooked the pipe. Don't put anything down a drain for the next few hours. And we'll let you know when it's good to go. That is the wrong order, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you got to go first the warning, then the disconnection. You know what? Their order is a great way to get a shit to the face mm -hmm. when you're disconnecting that pipe. <laughs> yeah, the, all the risk accrues to them. So I guess they can do whatever they want. <laughs> God. Yeah, but you're the type that would feel incredibly guilty for launching a shit. Yeah. At a, at a tradesperson's face. I don't want to live with that, no. with that shame. Yeah, sure don't. So you're famously a one-bathroom home. Yeah. That bathroom out of commission, where do you go? You go in, in the yard? I did do a pee in the yard today. Yesterday, I, I really struggled like all day because the pipe did get disconnected before I'd really like done the uh, the big important business of the day. That's why I would have relished the, all right, give me 10 minutes yeah, yeah. before you do this. Or in your case, give me 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, I don't know. It's exciting. It's one of these things where it's like devastatingly expensive and doesn't improve the house in any way. It's not a quality of life improvement whatsoever. No, like it's good. It's worth doing. Like they're putting a reverse flow valve, which means that like future problems with the sewer itself won't affect the house, which is good. Oh, you like that. But we haven't actually had problems with the sewer. We just knew it was broken and we knew that it needed to be repaired when we bought the house. And this was the time to do it. So, wow. A fresh pipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty nice to me. Yeah. I did take some joy in sending the first poop down it yesterday afternoon. Do you feel like it went faster? Oh, yeah. You could just tell. Like like <laughs> from the top side, you you can detect the, the flow increase? Yeah, yeah. You told me Damn. something interesting that when you and your wife did a similar replacement at your place in Seattle, that there was a guy just standing around all day one day. Yeah. I didn't like that. Yeah, but but that they told you that that's like somebody just made The reason I didn't like that was because that was also a day I couldn't use the turlet. <laughs> but you said that that was like a, you got to check it for leaks. And they definitely like, when they knocked off actually working on it yesterday, just hung out for a couple hours. And I, uh, yeah. I thought that that was good intel from you, that that's what they were probably doing. Yeah. It's not just smoking a vape pen and- Hanging out in a hole, mm -hmm. in a hole. Or anybody can do that. <laughs> it's real work. Yeah. 
Yeah. You got to do it right. Yeah. And that means uh, some observation time. You got to do it right. You got to go in, you know, with the expectation that the unexpected may happen. Expect the unexpected. And that's something that I kind of wish the crew of the entrepreneur had done on today's episode of Star Trek colon Strange New Worlds. That is just a restaurant quality pivot right there. <laughs> nice work, Ben. Let's get into both the uh, the serenity and the storminess of today's episode. Mm. Yeah, this you could name like a late night love song radio program after this episode, couldn't you? <laughs> really could. Yeah. It's season one, episode seven, The Serene Squall. Boy, speaking of contradictions, we open on this Vulcan prison. Boy, oh boy. Ankishan Ktil, Vulcan criminal rehab. There is no stockade. There is no electronic frontier. It's mostly just Zen gardens, juice bars, and Tai Chi classes. Bringing in paint from the outside <laughs> means forfeiture of line privileges in the buffet. Everything survives on the surface. It is quite temperate. <laughs> what a delight this is. Yeah. The Vulcans really do it right. This is how you put someone back on the straight and narrow, right? This is like when Americans watch documentaries about what prisons in like Scandinavia are like. It's like, oh my God, they really have it dialed in. The American prison system was, is a vengeance-based program. It is a shame on all of us. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Telling me you can't rehabilitate most people? With some exercise and some painting and some zen gardening. Throw him a jazz gummy or two. I feel like this could work. Tell you what, man. I spend like 40 minutes zen gardening. Yeah. I no longer want to do bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit more of that, it right? It strips all the Latarian Milton out of your system. <laughs> it's fun to do bad things. It's remarkably effective. Yeah. T'Pring is doing a personal log here about how she is re-strategizing how she's going to get that booty next time she sees Spock IRL. Because they're doing that long-distance relationship thing. They have a FaceTime where she tells him about all of these sexy Earth books she's been reading. Spock, I've been reading The Joy of Sex. <laughs> and there is a lot of pubic hair in The Joy of Sex. <laughs> Would you ever consider... Growing out a fat bush. <laughs> if it would please you, it seems logical. Do you think, Vul we've probably talked about this, right? Do Vulcans trim their pubes the way they trim their bangs? And I think the answer we landed on was they do absolutely yeah. do that. A nice straight line on their pubes. Yeah. Got to get those edges right. Let a razor burn on the average Vulcan's <laughs> groin area. Yeah. A pretty intense... FaceTime between these two, I would say. Perhaps we should read some of these texts together. As you wish. Yeah, it's strange to see how bumped Spot gets. And there is greater emphasis on why throughout the entire episode. The idea that he has not done the culinar yeah. is a reason that he goes through his life as tormented as he seems about his two sides of his personality. This comes up a little bit in his conversation with Nurse Chapel. They're walking through the hallway. And, you know, he's like kind of off in the distance, not paying a ton of attention to Nurse Chapel. Earth to Spock. I'm sorry. She doesn't want to get into the business of being his primary relationship advice giver. And yet she can't 
deny it though. Like he's asking for a sex Sherpa and there she stands. <laughs> that doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's also talking about Dr. Aspen, who is a person not from the Federation, but from like a humanitarian organization who is here to work with the entrepreneur on a rescue mission. I like that uh, half of the McLaughlin groups on Strange New Worlds are actually dinner parties. Yeah. You never see them eat on the McLaughlin group. I think that there's a good reason for that, right? The table is low and it's too far away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one wants to see Pat Buchanan with a paper plate like held right up under his chin, <laughs> like eating carrots and hummus off of that thing. No, and you get like a glass and a half of red wine in Eleanor Clift and she is oh, yeah. just not cool no. <laughs> to be around. <laughs> She somehow gets louder. <laughs> you have to be very loud to talk over Pat Buchanan. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the both of them just get extremely loud. Out of time. Bye-bye. So this is taking place in Pike's quarters, and we meet Dr. Aspen, and they're, they're here to help rescue these poor colonists that are living on the edge of Federation space, like really far outside of the main shipping lanes or whatever of the Federation and they're starving and they are rationing. And what Dr. Aspen describes is kind of a dire situation. I mean, we talked about this last episode, like are there children that suffer to make the Federation work? And I kind of wondered what the deal is with these colonists. Like if they're in the Federation, why are they so hard up? I mean, I'm really glad you brought up the last episode because I think there was a fair amount of wonder at the end of it was like, are we going to serialize any of this into the next episode? Like the answer is no. This entire season has been bottles connected by like a six pack ring. Like <laughs> these are bottle episodes, all of them yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bottle centipede. It's a bottle six pack. Right. <laughs> You remember when Duff Beer from The Simpsons came out with a seven pack because there's nothing symmetrical about flavor? <laughs> it looks wrong, but it is oh so right. Yeah, that's sort of what Strange New World has going on. I mean, this is episode seven. There's nothing symmetrical about storytelling. <laughs> have you ever had Duff Beer? Do you have to go to a Universal Studios theme park to get it isn't that the thing i don't know i i haven't is, is my answer this probably was a promotion in spain but the first time i went to spain i was on vacation and my wife was getting in the day after because we were i was coming from a, a job in germany and she was coming from new york mm -hmm. that's how it lined up so i had a night to myself and ben's gonna talk about <laughs> germany well i was in spain and i went into like a 7-eleven or equivalent uh -huh. And they had Duff beer, and it was like, it looked perfect. It looked exactly like it does on the show. And I was like, what? I can't not buy this. But also, why is this in Spain? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And it was fucking disgusting. It was oh no, maybe the nastiest beer I've ever drank. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, was, I've had great beer in Spain. No, it was very disappointing. I love an Estrella. So do I. It's a good beer. Very crushable. When I was... Last time, when Adam was in Las Vegas. Mother of God, I thought. Here it comes. Me and my buddies were at an outside sports bar, and we were getting like the bucket format amount of beers uh -huh. out there, oh, yeah. taking them to the dome as you do. 
And this bar had Bud Heavy, Bud Light, Corona, you know, the usual suspects. And they had Estrella Dom there. Wow. And me and my buddies were like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, let's get this. And we were the only ones taking the Estrellas to the Dome. Wow. The table next to us was like, what are you drinking? What is that? (laughs) And we ended up selling another bucket to our neighbor table. Oh, yeah. It's the fajitas of beer buckets. (laughs) It is. It felt great to spread the gospel because that is a super good beer. It is a good beer. So this... McLaughlin group slash dinner issue one kind of sets up what's going on in this story and also sets up a little bit about Dr. Aspen. They're a former Federation counselor from a star base, but they decided to throw it all away to become a humanitarian who works with refugees and people that are on the fringes of Federation society that need a little help. and I mean, it doesn't feel like a throwaway. Pike hears the story and Pike is like, damn, I, I kind of like how you're an independent contractor here. You get to do whatever you want. Yeah. The way you want to do it. Look at me. I'm just a Boy Scout. You are such a Boy Scout. <laughs> they do not call me that. You know me. I love Boy Scouts. I, lo- I love Clear Present Danger. I love Patriot Games. I love Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Characters with Boy Scout reputations, very appealing to Ben Harrison. That's right. Maybe one day you can be a scout leader, Ben. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who who's going to end up being the Ritter of Strange New Worlds. God, I don't know. Give me all the Ritters. I was telling you that Ritter popped up in the new Mission Impossible trailer. I know. And the actor is playing Ritter. Like, <laughs> it's it's a Ritter guy. Is it just Ritter? Is it Does Mission Impossible take place in the Hunt for Red October cinematic universe? Do you think when Clear and Present Danger came out in Europe, there was a candy tie-in with Ritter Sport, the uh, <laughs> the chocolate bar, where you could get one of those and it's just a picture of Ritter on it yeah. from Clear and Present Danger? Yeah, probably. I think that probably yeah. happened. It definitely happened. If they're making Duff beer in Europe, they're doing Ritter Ritter. The world is great, Jack. Yeah, Ritter Sport. This dinner gets interrupted because they get called up to the bridge where the entrepreneur has encountered not quite a Wolf 359, but like a Wolf 3. I think crucially, you'd never leave the bridge to go out into the debris because that constitutes like a real Wolf 359 situation. Yeah. Like putting the camera out in space among the bodies and stuff is how you make a scene hit that hard. As it is, you're just on the bridge here and you're seeing at the view screen and it's just a bunch of flotsam. Yeah, so Dr. Asman is talking about, okay, well, there were three ships. The third one, we don't know where it is, but we're probably looking at a situation where the colonists were press ganged and are being sold outside the Federation into slavery, which is super common in the non-Federation regions of the galaxy. It's super common in non-Star Trek science fiction (laughs) programming and movies. And everybody on the bridge is just like, (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. The ship is so far away from Federation space. There is a little bit of a moment where they're like, well, I mean, slavery is a pretty good reason to go past our borders to try to help some people. Yeah. And time is of the essence. And Spock's like, look, I mean, we can't even communicate back home without dropping some boise. Yeah. Pike's like, great. 
That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> Let's start dropping boas. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. It is going to be a forgiveness, not permission type of mission. And they, uh, <laughs> that's the position they're in. Yeah, that's their position. So they start heading into the asteroid field and we cut to the title sequence. After the theme, Spock rolls up on Dr. Aspen's room where it seems like they like their volume as high as Jono did in <laughs> Suddenly Human. Hey. The captain has been trying to reach you. I mean, Dr. Aspen is a bit of a slick back. <laughs> right. And uh, we don't really see in their room, but you can't tell me there isn't a hammock back there. No. Couldn't possibly make that case. So you made yourself at home. Dr. Aspen's like, I really miss clubbing. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. I was solo clubbing. What were you doing exactly, <laughs> Dr. Aspen? Because <laughs> your phone has been ringing off the hook and you missed it. Is that is that what Ice Cube was rapping about in the hit song We Be Clubbin'? <laughs> Just clubbin' by yourself? Yeah, I think that's pretty much what the topic of the song was. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Help me work off the stress. You and I both watched this episode a couple of times. Sure. Is this the first hint that something unusual is up with Dr. Aspen's professional manner or interest in the mission or... Whatever, like, let's remember, this is a crew in danger of slavery far from home, and we've got a person clubbing by themselves and not answering the phone right? when it's ringing. Like, was this the first clue? I mean, if it's not this, it's the scene right before where Dr. Aspen's face seems weirdly neutral when they find out that the people they've gone to all this trouble to rescue appear to be dead or in slavery. Right. Yeah. You know, you kind you of- You have to make a face for slavery. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. There isn't that moment of like, oh no, we're too late with Dr. Aspen. And I feel like <laughs> maybe that's hard to sell plausibly. Right. As I just demonstrated. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. But it did strike me as a strange react to this news. There are a number of strange reacts. There's also a very big interest that Dr. Aspen has in Spock, just about all things Spock. And their transit to the bridge is a scene that gives us a little bit of that. Uh, Spock is not Dr. Aspen's first Vulcan rodeo. Uh, they've been around Vulcans before. <laughs> to the extent that Dr. Aspen like knows about Kalinar yeah. and where Spock might be on his journey toward or away from his emotions. Yeah. I feel like it is like dropping a little jargon to, to demonstrate you're in the know. Interesting. He hasn't sniffed his emotions yet. Hey, Ben, do you think a Vulcan rodeo is just a Vulcan getting on a big Vulcan cat? <laughs> and uh, the cat just slowly walks out into the middle of the dirt ring. <laughs> the Vulcan swings his leg off of it and just stands there. <laughs> and uh, and that's it. Pets the cat a little bit. find myself strangely drawn to it. <laughs> Very predictable. There's also some pretty like hard to ignore imagery with Dr. Aspen's necklace, which becomes important later. And you can tell it's going to become important later because they ask Spock to help them put it on. Right. Wow. Something must be up with this necklace. I think there's a fair amount of jangly keys happening with this character because on paper, the putting of a necklace on someone else 
kind of suggests a flirtatiousness or like sure. an intimacy or whatever. Like zip me up is a <laughs> is a form of this you see a lot. Yeah, where they're like trying to insist on uh, on an intimacy. Right. Two characters sometimes, and and that is what I read from this scene. I did too. Wrongly. You're dead fucking wrong. Yeah. They come out onto the bridge and they're picking up a signal that they think could be the ship, but some discussion is had of the possibility this could be a trap. This serene squall pirate ship has been raiding border colonies and pirates are known for, you know, making you think that there's a distress signal as a trap. But they're going to fly through, you know, they, they got to see if this is the colonists. They, they don't really have a choice to ignore it. So you get some pretty jazzy flying by Artegas through this asteroid field, which doesn't involve completely invo- avoiding all of the asteroids. I think that's impossible. But they're bouncing a lot of the smaller ones off of the shields in a way that I thought was really interesting. Isn't that a different kind of vibe than we've gotten in Star Trek before. It feels like anytime you drive the ship through asteroids, they they had to avoid every single one of them. Yeah. I think that it it makes more sense this way though, right? Because if Mm -hmm. there's lots of big ones, there's going to be tons of little teeny ones just kind of floating around in between them because every time two of them hit, they're going to break a few pieces off. Right. So I don't know. It makes sense to me. Anyways, they fly right into a trap, Adam. Yeah, it's a laser net trap Yeah, made up of a bunch of asteroids with little lasers attached to them. Mm-hmm. And this net is shrinking. It's not just a net, it's a, it's a race against time. It's a Sumerian snare that get, they get out of much quicker because Aspen comes up with this idea that one of these asteroids is the, is the power source for the whole thing. And they scan them. They come up with two of them that are possibilities, but they can't tell... Which is the real power source and which is uh, is the fake? So Spock is encouraged by Captain Pike to just you know shoot from the hip, pick one. Uh, yeah, I have a question about the shoot the asteroid scene in Strange New World season one episode seven, the Serene Squall. Also, a title that really doesn't make much sense to me or makes a very good ship name. We've seen the Enterprise shoot phasers before from multiple holes. <laughs> Why couldn't the Enterprise shoot both asteroids at the same time? I'm going to take my answer uh, over in the food line where I will be eating two hot dogs at the same time. <laughs> Get a life. Yeah, I wondered the same thing. This seemed like capability of the ship being written for you know well the the bummer about this is that they run down a bunch of possible options and spock kicks all of them in the nuts one of them could have been can we shoot all of them at once yeah in that part yeah they could have had a script thing yeah like if they're a millisecond apart right you know it's game over man or something I mean, we've got La'an back on the trigger instead of Ahura for some reason. <laughs> so I think you got your best shot, right? Yeah. And not the one who's just learning. Firing phases. So they narrowly avoid this trap. Well done, Mr. Spock. Good hunch. Aspen says something ominous about if that had been set by the Serene Squall, 
we'd be dead already, which mm-hmm. is another like, so how much do you know about this mysterious ship again? Yeah. Me thinks you doth know them too much. <laughs> yeah. And Ortegas is like, all right, that's all very interesting. But what I would like to talk about is this midriff shirt you got and where I can get one. Midriff club. <laughs> High five. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Aspen has been dressed for dinner at Pike's Quarters <laughs> yeah. throughout the episode. But in the next scene, Dr. Aspen changes outfit into a much more intendant Kira energy. You might want to turn that little toy of yours to a higher setting. That's an outfit that is revealed right after a scene where we see an exterior of the entrepreneur flying through this asteroid field and this little crab ship, almost maybe <laughs> modeled off of a nubbin bug. The way this yeah. ship looks. I love ships with legs. Yeah, it's kind of hopping asteroid to asteroid and uh, secretly surveilling the entrepreneur. It is impossible to know how big this thing is, though, right? Yeah. That's one of the things about it. Is it just a one-person bug ship? It seems small, but it's- Here's the thing. It makes Dr. Aspen look like a real piece of shit for beaming back over by themselves and leaving all the other pirates behind by the end. <laughs> yeah, so Maybe it's just the size of the ship. Spoiler alert. But they come into Spock's quarters in this, hey, uh, if you didn't think I was a villain before, you're really going to start suspecting it now outfit. Yeah. They are there to hit up Spock about how he was feeling about earlier. Hey, it looked like you had a really hard time flipping that coin, buddy. And what's so interesting about this conversation they have is that like, Spock is really good at raising a semantic defense for his behavior. Right. Dr. Aspen is so perfect at choosing exactly the right semantic argument to dissolve it. Yeah. And then after dropping the bomb in the middle of the room, Dr. Aspen is like, all right, peace. (laughs) (laughs) There's some interesting stuff here, right? Like Spock feeling like that you know, go with your gut order he got from Pike kind of puts him in the uncomfortable position of having to act human when he's trying Mm -hmm. very hard not to. It was a big performance though too, right? When Spock made the call, like he basically drops his head. You never see him do that. Yeah, he's disgusted with himself. I'm only used to seeing head drops around Spock that look like Nurse Chapel dropping her head and smiling (laughs) and blinking and looking back up again. (laughs) (laughs) that's the chapel drop yeah wow you gotta wait for the chapel drop Uh at the club (laughs) they find this ship this cargo looking ship they think it's the third colony ship this is great exciting news because the colonists appear to be alive on board there's 30 other people so they send like four or five guys plus the captain to go mm-hmm. take over this ship. <laughs> Not among them is Ensign Lance. Mm. Thank goodness, because I mean the meats behind Laon and Pike are anonymized right. entirely. Yeah. Keep Ensign Lance safe. Yeah. Until such time as he's recast only to be blown out an airlock. <laughs> when they get over on the ship, Ben. You know what it is. This place is a tomb. There's no one over there. Well, it's not really a tomb, though, right? There's like a device made out of a couple of shotgun microphones with lights inside of them clamped against a wall. And that's like the fake life sign device? Yeah, it's generating a false 200 colonist signal. 
Yeah, it's really working. And they realize, hey, this is another goddamn trap. It's just like the first one. <laughs> a very similar set of circumstances happens to Pike here as what happened in the last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Comms are jammed. Ensign Shocker <laughs> can't get a word in at the away team. Like everything happens at once. Yeah. And they're finding out up on the entrepreneur that they've also been boarded. And this is something that Nurse Chapel seems to notice before the bridge crew does. Because she's walking down a hallway and sees some phaser fire and some P-rats. Tell them if they don't get off my boat right now, there's going to be a major shitstorm. She immediately goes up a Jeffrey's tube to hide. And I loved the design of this Jeffrey's tube because it is definitely... A, a beautiful homage to a Jeffrey's tube from TOS. Yeah. Really nicely done. Yeah, I like the tube at an angle. Yeah, it's good. It's not just up and down. No. It's kind of a tube ramp. Give me the tube ramp. <laughs> yeah. And also over on the, what we now know is the Serene Squall, Pike and uh, the away team are getting rounded up. And uh, there is an amazing action sequence on the bridge where... There's just, it's like a compound action sequence where there's phaser fire. Number one is like locking out the command controls. Spock and Dr. Aspen are, you know, engaged in hand-to-hand combat, or I guess Spock is, and Dr. Aspen is a non-combatant, but Spock is trying to protect them. I love Spock pinching the shit out of people and like throwing them across the bridge as a reminder that Spock has super strength. Yeah. I just thought that this action sequence was so well executed. It was it was so exciting. and It really gave me the chills watching it. It was really one of the best scenes of the series so far. It was so complex, and yet you like understand what's going on, what's at stake, and yeah. you know how badly this is going for the federations. The the simultaneity of all of the participants. Yeah. Like Una's got to put the codes up. Yeah. Ortegas has to cover her while she does that. Spock's out there melee fighting. It's great. And you really feel like Spock and Dr. Aspen get off the bridge just barely. Ensign Shocker is like poking people, (laughs) two in the eyes and one in the mouth. (laughs) In kind of a very showy fashion. Yeah, yeah. Think like a pirate. Back over on the cargo ship. Pike meets the leader of the pirates, this Orion Bear, this Bear Ryan, I will call him. Mm. He's uh, really lording it over Pike that he's lost. And what this guy wants is the command codes for the Starship Enterprise. Everybody always wants these. Pike has that moment that Chekhov has with Khan where he's like, yeah, we're just out here looking for the serene squall. And this green beer is like, this is the serene squall (laughs) you didn't expect to find me they started interrogating him and i couldn't help but notice that bear ryan seemed to have a game of calto on his desk yeah how about that i didn't know orion's got into that kind of shit they're not a patient people oh i mean he's not playing it with his hands maybe he's the kind of orion that's into like tantra right and calto is part of that for him Pike is being interrogated like James Bond was in that one movie, but instead of the weird ball trauma chair, <laughs> it is hair trauma being visited on Pike like yeah. uh, like a fallen samurai. Yeah, it's really sad. You can tell it's affecting him when the bangs start to drop. You know, show hair 
is a fleeting thing. And some at a certain point in every show, you sweat enough that the show hair goes away. We keep bringing this up, and I'm going to keep bringing it up until it's answered. But this big Pike energy here, I want to know if it's because Pike knows he will live through this and eventually be put in a beeping chair. Yeah. I'm going to keep thinking that that's the case until I'm proven wrong. Like, I, I've got to believe that's what his deal is and where his confidence comes from. Because he keeps the confidence throughout having goo all over his face, even. Yeah. So no Ryan specialty. You get a meal thrown in your face. This is like your mom falling asleep in a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> and she kept her confidence. Yeah. Confidence enough to stay in the restaurant. She, she was in it to win it. Yeah, this uh, scene has kind of a weird, like, so the guy in charge of the pirates is also the cook? Yeah. And everybody hates the food. And that's like the wedge that Pike is going to drive in between this guy and his crew. Yeah. <laughs> he convinces him to let him make like spaghetti sauce or something. And from now until the end of the episode, it is Iron Chef Star Trek. <laughs> Ale cuisine! <laughs> Pike's three special ingredients are blood, blood, and frozen blood. <laughs> I thought you were going to say blood wine. <laughs> oh, that should be. It should be blood wine. That's the middle one. Okay, good. Pike's three special ingredients are blood, blood wine, and frozen blood. <laughs> I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear. 
but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What? 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 Sounds like nonsense. What is going on? Nurse Chapel aboard the Entrepreneur is sneaking around and wants to send an SOS message, but finds that all of the computers have been locked out. And she's really pissed about this. So pissed that she gets distracted and doesn't notice that a couple of pirates are right behind her. Don't hurt me. I'm, I'm just a nurse. Fortunately, she has a hypo spray down her sleeve and Nurse Chapel turns out to be extremely badass. Yeah, she kicks all kinds of ass here. Holy mackerel, she kicks almost as much ass as Spock. We're not doing a bunch of comparing new Star Trek shows to each other, but I gotta believe if this scene had occurred in Star Trek Discovery, the thing inside Nurse Chapel's hypo spray would have exploded these guys' heads. <laughs> like, you remember in the first episode how like it was a loaf expander? Yeah, yeah. Like, what if it's just filled with loaf expansion <laughs> drugs and it just like pops these guys' heads? <laughs> yeah. Say what you will about Strange New Worlds. It's not a gross show in that same way. They did show like a gaunt dead child recently, but- it was a fleeting image. Yeah, that didn't affect me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adam has never donated to, to a Feed the Hungry campaign on television. Uh, so over in Pike's restaurant, which uh, is a big hit, he's having a debate with his enemy. You know, he's like, hey, listen, like, let's exchange some compliments, even though we're on opposite sides of this conflict. There's some things I really like about you. Could you say the crew loves that chicken at Pike Eyes? <laughs> <laughs> could you? I think you could. I really think you could. Everyone else seems to like it. 
I want to know what Pike's messing with. Like, it, it looks like he's got a spice jar there, but is it the Greenbeard's spice jar? Or was he permitted to get spices from his ship in order to compete in Iron Chef Star Trek? It did seem like he did get to do, like, the Whole Foods run uh, or God, whatever. give us those five minutes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Pike's got the inflatable tomato, and that's worth an extra $500. Yeah, it's cool that they brought Leslie Jones in for a little cameo. Uh, uh, <laughs> so he's kind of suggesting to this guy, like, you're way smarter than these guys, and they give you so much lip. What's that about, man? Yeah. Like, you got to have a little more self-confidence when you're such a galaxy brain Bear Ryan. Look, I, I don't take a lot of lip on my bridge. It's just all in uh, good fun. Yeah. It's a spree decor on my ship. It's definitely not that here. And the guy's like, you shut up. We're going to sell you into slavery with the Klingons. And Pike is like, you don't want to sell us into slavery with the Klingons, man. That's not going to go great for you. The mere mention of Klingons gets the wrong kind of attention across the lunchroom. Yeah, this lady has already kind of demonstrated herself to be willing to detract from Bear Ryan's ideas about how the mission should be going. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this is playing right into Pike's hand yeah sure is back up in six bay spock has shot up dr aspen with something non lofi <laughs> they were shot earlier and shot on stun which i think is another interesting clue mm. when you go back and rewatch this episode that uh non-lethal weapons were used in this ship takeover well it makes sense in the slavery gambit it does, yeah thing but they're also having a conversation in Six Bay about maybe it's a ransom gambit. The only people using slavery terminology are the Starfleets though. And that's right. what's so interesting is like Dr. Aspen never says it. Yeah. I think Bear Ryan kind of, if he doesn't say yeah. it explicitly, it's heavily implied. But yeah. yeah, the plan that they hatch is, okay, so they, they locked out controls, but if we can get down to engineering, we can take control of the ship from there. So that seems good, right? Seems good. We also get a little bit of uh, Aspen backstory. Yeah. Which is that uh, Aspen was married to a Vulcan. What? <laughs> and that Vulcan never did the Culinar. Yeah. That Vulcan was lost in an attack by the Squall. So what Dr. Aspen is advocating for is that Spock not try to be a hero in this moment. It's logical yeah. to fight back because he's saying, like, we can't let a ship as powerful as the entrepreneur fall into the hands right. of the bad guys. But Dr. Aspen is saying, like, I wish my husband had gotten scared and run away instead of trying to fight back when it was him involved. Right. Don't try to be a logical man. Just be a man. <laughs> and let history decide yeah. how you died. And you've got the, you know, it's like committing a crime before you're 18 in America. Like, you've got some cover. You haven't done the culinar yet. <laughs> Nobody's going to judge you. Yeah. You'll be tried as a minor. So Spock brandishes a beautiful pelican case, hmm. and inside it are a couple of phasers, one of which he hands to Aspen, who is like, not super down to wield a phaser. Aspen's reaction is like the princess in Spaceballs. I'm shooting this thing. I hate guns. <laughs> yeah. And so they head to engineering because the plan is to take control of the ship over there. Pike is brought back to the cell by one of the pirates where much of the rest of his crew is being held. The doctor and Ortegas and La'an are in there along with some 
red shirts and stuff. Hey guys! He is pretty excited about this whole Alpha Braga 4 situation he's got going with the pirates. It's a good thing they didn't use the Alpha Berman 4 plan, Mm. Ben. Yeah. (laughs) So I just gave the pirates a whole lot of tight-fitting clothing (laughs) and uh, shot them very suggestively. Yeah. Made them feel really bad about their talent. Yeah. Fired them and said, like, you you were lucky to be here in the first place. I mean, that plan also probably would have triggered a mutiny, though, also. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. whichever one you choose. Yeah. They're both valid plans. One is worse, obviously. <laughs> so, that plan in place, Spock and Dr. Aspen get make it down to engineering where they meet up with Nurse Chapel, who's already on the project of trying to take back control of the ship. And Spock is the ranking officer aboard, so he can put in the command codes and get it moved down there. It's another trap! Yeah. You were talking about the, like, bad order of calling me to tell me the pipe has been disconnected after it's been disconnected. Mm -hmm. I thought the lock the doors to engineering last. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, they... Take off the command override, then they move to engineering, then they lock the doors. It seemed like lock the doors to engineering. Exactly. Then move command to engineering, then take the lockout off. Personal safety is going to matter when it comes to doing everything else on this list. Yeah. Yeah. They got to drop the door, but they don't. Yeah. I love this camera sequence, Ben, because one is on Aspen and then we kind of float around the panel. Yeah. And do a two shot with Chapel and Spock, and then we reveal Aspen after they come out as the double crosser. Yeah. It's so nicely composed. I really love this shot. Because presumably off camera, Dr. Aspen sent the command controls right back up to the bridge, but we don't see that. We just yeah. see them get revealed by the swing of the camera. Yeah. And they reveal that they are not Dr. Aspen. They're actually Captain Angel of the Serene Squall. Wow. Captain. So who's that guy over there? (laughs) Who's Greenbeard then? He's just the the Neelix of the ship. What's wrong with my cooking? It kind of confirms why he's such a shitty captain over there. Yeah. He's not the real captain. What what were they thinking, like, leaving Neelix in charge? (laughs) You know? I I think that all the time. (laughs) There is a real Dr. Aspen who is marooned on a planet somewhere, which is really sad to think about. That person- Is this captain even a doctor or did, did they steal that too? I mean, I wondered, like, does this captain even use they, them pronouns? Like if the entire identity is stolen or if it's just like a close enough identity that they felt like they could inhabit it. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of mystery surrounds- Dr. Angel. I feel like we're going to get to know Dr. Angel over the course of this series because- Or maybe not. This is, Ben, this is the uh, the seventh bottle I know, on the ring. But the Q episodes are bottles too, you know, and they didn't yeah. want a season on TNG. Fair. I would not be surprised if Captain Angel was a repeat customer on this show. Dr. Angel is a super capable shit talker. On the bridge, we get more of this backstory. There were no colonists. The colonists were a lie. I made them up. Yeah. Dr. Angel's the leader. Yep. And I love the performance here. There's, I mean, we've gotten arch villains in new Star Trek before, 
But this definitely feels like a new twist on that vibe. Really just deliciously evil. And they explained to Spock that the entrepreneur is kind of a bonus. Yeah. What they really wanted was him. Yeah. Smash cut to Dupring on the Ankishtan. Ankylosaur. You're just going to keep trying to say it, huh? Ankishtan Katil Vulcan Criminal Rehab Facility. Bump, bump. <laughs> what could the two things have to do with each other, Adam? Well, we're about to find out. There is a prisoner, and I don't even feel like prisoner is the right word. Yeah. There is someone there doing the rehab named Zavarius. Doing some finger painting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dr. Angel wants Zavarius released in a prisoner exchange for Spock. Yeah. Vulcan for Vulcan. Captain Angel is mean as hell because they are willing to just shoot Spock right in front of T'Pring to sell their point. And T'Pring is like, listen, like, it's going to destroy my entire career and bring shame on my family if I break the trust of the yoga retreat, you know? I can't just bring someone from the yoga retreat. Right. Intimidation will not influence my decisions. Okay. I love the interaction between T'Pring and Angel. Because T'Pring's power comes from her control over herself, and it's very intimidating yeah. for most people. But Angel is not intimidated by this, and Angel's archness is just a really nice combination yeah. as a foil for T'Pring. I wanted more scenes of them. I really agree. Captain Angel says something to Nurse Chapel about the fact that all of this is being done for love. They say that love is the only thing that makes the cold loneliness of space bearable, which feels like extremely brutal given what has happened to Nurse Chapel's romantic life so far this season. That was also the first draft of the lyrics to Love is a Battlefield. It was just too wordy. (laughs) You can't fit it in there. (laughs) Can't you? (laughs) As much as I wanted more to Pring and Angel together, I could have used more Angel and Chapel together too. Yeah. I don't know where Angel gets off talking to Chapel this way. Yeah. What does Angel know about Chapel? You don't know shit. Just sizing her up using her eyes? Leave her eyes alone. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted Chapel to punch them in the face though. Yeah. Felt like that was coming. Loaf shot. <laughs> yeah. In the cage on the pirate ship. Pike and number one are really just working these pirates that have been left there to watch them. Pirates that uh, all look like they could really use a bath. They've all got kind of like Imperator Furiosa eye makeup, Uh but they're also just generally dirty. Yeah, but like the makeup was applied two weeks ago. Yeah. And it's just barely hanging on. They've been doing a lot of crying since then. (laughs) God, if I were one of these prisoners, I would be upset for... That reason. Yeah. Also the mutiny part, but also that the prisoners are talking performatively like a dude on the phone at the airport, <laughs> like loudly, <laughs> very loudly indeed. Yoo-hoo, Mr. Pirate. Yeah. He is captain. I guess they have to do what he says. He's not the captain. It's always sad when the jailers look dirtier <laughs> than the prisoners. Yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. They're stoking this mutiny. I feel like more could be made of the leader that has been left in charge being a cook. I feel like that's an angle that they could have worked. Like, Uh why did they leave the cook in charge when they left to go do this mission? 
They seem to be focusing their attention on this pirate with the earrings, though, and they get pretty explicit with her. They're like, look, if you want a mutiny, you got a cage full of people on your side. Yeah. Ready to fight alongside you. We're going to do it. Meanwhile, up on the entrepreneur, Spock stands before T'Pring on the FaceTime and engages in a bit of a ruse. The ruse is that Spapple is a real thing. We're in love. Do I get credit for this? <laughs> Do I even get half credit for this? I think my bet is good and it remains good on Spapple. All I Bets, bets, bets. I think that this scene definitely reveals that there's more there than I thought, but yeah, I, I still like my chances with Chortegas. This is a hot fucking kiss. Oh, hot fucking action to the max, Jack. Yeah, it is really hot. It works. It sells the whole thing and it completely destroys Captain Angel's plan. Captain Angel's plan falls all the way apart. He has made his choice and I have made mine. Are you kidding me? I love the occasional compositions of Chapel and Spock on either side of the frame and in deep, like, shallow focus is Angel back there, like, doing the Angel shit <laughs> of shit talking. <laughs> there are a couple of, of instances of that here that I found just really fun. Yeah. And then, like, well... This is happening. Spock and bring like, officially break up by, like, making hand signals at each other. Yeah, you sign the Zorro Z yeah. with your fingers, and then it's done. You are afraid of our pond. This is why you can't break up by text on Vulcan, because you have to do right. the hand signal. So you have to at least do FaceTime, if not in person. You know how there are some devices where you don't pick up your finger to do the passcode? You just, like, drag uh, oh, along yeah, the numbers? yeah, yeah. I wonder how many times you accidentally break up with your partner by just unlocking your phone <laughs> on Vulcan. <laughs> That'd be terrible. You butt break up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> together, but not together. That's not what I meant to say at all. Together, together. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be together. <laughs> so, so the entrepreneur stops working and the... Serene Squall pops into frame right in front of them. And we cut to the bridge and the Serene Squall has a fucking steering wheel, Adam. I love this so much. Like a pirate ship. It's got an old timey pirate ship wheel. <laughs> it's so fun. And it's neon. <laughs> it's cyber pirate. I love that Pike took the wheel. Pike, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. He fucking relishes this so much too. Yeah. He has a get out of my chair moment. Yeah. I'm only going to tell you this once. I believe you're in my chair. That's a Picard callback. It's a Picard callback. I feel like you're no Starfleet captain if you haven't said that to someone. Yeah. Pretty cool. So they start licking shots at the entrepreneur. They knock out propulsion and they convince the pirates to stand down, which is great news because they're going to be able to capture all of them, you know. Captain Angel is going to be slapped in shackles and taken to a yoga retreat to really yeah. think about what they've done. Really eat some nourishing food and get some meditation time. Yeah. Do you want the green juice or the beet juice today? Hmm. Probably shouldn't have any more beet. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that necklace that they're wearing is a get out of jail free necklace. Yeah. They push a button on it. And they appear on the bridge of that crab ship from earlier. And it does seem like 
there's got to be somebody else on the crab ship, right? Because it's been following them and like hopping from rock to rock. Very true. Yeah, unless it's a remote control crab ship, it, it would seem as though that would have to be the case. But they really did their crew dirty because the rest of them are just sitting on the bridge like, the fuck? This was the last in a couple of instances where Angel had dropped little trivia breadcrumbs at Spock. And like that one happened right before Spock went into Kiss Chapel. There was a reference to something that really triggered Spock that made that whole thing happen. Yeah. And then before Angel beamed away, they mentioned Zavarius. Yep. And that was another moment where you're like, what, what is their deal? Yeah. What is their dark secret? What you fear is the unknown. They got to get the uh, entrepreneur crew back aboard because the mutiny is still in progress. So they do that. Pike uh, does a little pirate voice bit when he gets back into his chair, which I really liked. I love that when Una and Ortegas are up front on the console, you have a Ben and Adam up there because <laughs> Una's not laughing, but Ortegas is. <laughs> I just think that's great. You get all kinds on the bridge. And I love that the pirate impression is like super silly. Yeah. Yeah. It's sillier than most captains get. If we ever get to interview Anson Mount again, I want to do at least some of it in pirate voice. <laughs> <laughs> T'Pring is caught a ride. I don't know why, because T'Pring brought her own spaceship, but she's aboard as they're yeah. warping off, and she and Spock patch stuff up. She knew that this was a ruse. She knew it was a gambit. She knew it was a ploy. She didn't think that he was actually breaking up with her. I wanted to run this by you because like, it's a relief, right? It's a relief that they both knew what they were doing and it ended up being successful. No one died. They're back together again. They unzip their finger <laughs> guns. Like they're back together again. But- They cut to the shot of the entrepreneur going into the wormhole. Is it? a little insulting to feel like you can't surprise anyone or or specifically like your special person i never like that feeling the the suggestion that i'm no longer surprising yeah to my wife i i really bristle at and it's not like it happens all the time uh -huh. but like whenever that's inferred in a moment i'm like there's something tragic about that and that is kind of at the core of T'Pring and Spock's conversation here. The idea that they're unable to surprise each other. They knew exactly what was happening. And that is a good thing. Spock says, you know me well to her and to Nurse Chapel in this episode. In this yeah. kind of denouement portion. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Like you can yeah. get to a point where you're experience with someone is so detailed that you kind of know how they're going to react in any given situation. Yeah. But this is space adventures, man. There's going to be so many different kinds of situations. Yeah. That's got to count for keeping stuff spicy. Exactly. Right? Piquant, as a Vulcan <laughs> might say. And because they both just had a traumatic experience, the only logical thing to do at this point, Ben, is to bone down. That seems logical. And that they do. And in his refractory period, Spock wanders down to Six Bay with his boner like wedged up in between his waistband and his belly. And uh, he has the awkward water cooler conversation with Nurse Chapel about Spapple and 
what went down. We don't have to talk about it. And it seems like she kind of unfortunately bears the brunt of the hurt from this. It doesn't seem like T'Pring was hurt at all. It seems like Spock is like a little bit sad that he was hurtful to people, but Nurse Chapel is really keeping a stiff upper lip while implying that it's actually really tough for her. I mean, this is a thing, right? Sometimes in certain situations, it's hard to know what comes off as flirting and what comes off as friendly. Yeah. And the look on Chapel's face here is a look that I've seen before. Like the agony of like, I thought this was maybe a thing that it's not. And of course it's not. I'm stupid for thinking it was something <laughs> more. Yeah. And that combination of emotions in her is like, it's so well expressed. Yeah. Like, a lot has been made, I think, on this show about how useful a chapel is as a character in so many situations. Mostly, you know, her wryness is so great wherever you are. She's just great to have around. But, like, she also has this gear. Yeah. This, like, if you hurt her, she has a hard time covering up the bruise. And I just thought this was a a really, like, a deeper moment than... I was expecting, and I thought it was great. I felt hurt for Chapel here. I did too. And I also think there was something massive about the idea of her saying that there were no feelings between them instead of Spock saying it. Spock never says that. Yeah. He just is made to agree. And I think that is such a specific choice here by these characters. Definitely. Well, she'll have to pursue things with Ortegas, I guess. It's not happening, man. <laughs> I'm still on Spapple. I'm still shipping Spapple. Right at the end of this scene, she's like, hey, what was that thing about Zavarius that you said? And Spock goes into a little description that cuts away and turns into voiceover as he describes the person that he thinks Zavarius really is. The other son of Ambassador Sarek, his half-brother, who is fully Vulcan. Shoot him! He really shares his pain with Nurse Chapel. <laughs> he also goes by uh, another name, Ben. Yeah. Cybok. <laughs> I think it's amazing that you can recognize some characters just from behind <laughs> and that Cybok would be one of them. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Like... <laughs> Look at that ass yeah. and that beard. That's Cybok. <laughs> Would know that combo anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that beard gap, though. <laughs> That's a dump truck beard combination that I've seen one place before. Call it what you will. Yeah, I think that this is a, absolutely amazing. I think that Strange New Worlds is really firing at all cylinders at this point. Absolute chaos move to bring a character from one of the most reviled Star Trek films into yeah. the plot of this series in the first season. On the production Slack, Wendy saw this episode first and she just said, I was screaming into the credits and you and me are like, what the fuck? We need to hurry up and watch this episode. And then you saw it next. You had the same reaction and I watched it last. And it, having been set up twice for the big surprise, it still delighted me to get it. I know. Like, we're under embargo with these things. We can't talk about these episodes until they air. Yeah. And I have been, like, physically restraining myself from texting people about this. Like, I am all about this reveal. 
<laughs> Not to get too much behind the pod, but I wanted to roll into the next episode immediately, but I wasn't sure it wouldn't compromise the episode we're recording right now. So yeah. I waited. Yeah. But as soon as we're done here, I'm going to watch that episode. <laughs> I'm going to watch the eighth can yeah. on the eight pack. Hell yeah. Thirst is not symmetrical, Adam. <laughs> uh, did you like this episode of Strange New Worlds? It, it's so hard to separate the episode from that final moment. But the final moment is so good <laughs> that I feel like it splashes over yeah. the rest yeah. in an interesting way, in a way that makes it hard to judge the ep. As I was going through it a second time, I really liked the episode a lot, but if you wonder about where Hammer is, the episode kind of falls apart. Hammer should be a part of this one. Yeah. And he's not, and it's because of his psionic powers. Right. I mean, how long does it take to fix a busted finger, guys? Yeah. I missed him, and I really would have wanted to get an Angel-Hammer interaction because I think their energies are very compatible. Totally, yeah. In that way. I also think it's hard not to compare Aspen and Osira, Aspen Angel, yeah. with Osira as an example of arch villainy on this show. I think it's interesting the different spin that this actor puts on the character. I, I'm reluctant to grade one above the other or say that one is my favorite because this story is just beginning. But I will say that Angel is just a ton of fun. And as soon as like that switch is flipped, yeah. And Angel goes 10 out of 10 yeah. with the arch. I was super there for it. And Jesse James Keitel is a really fun actor and yeah. creates such a weird villain in this. It is interesting and good to see a non-binary character play big yeah. and play angry and scheming and in a bunch of different ways than how we've seen that type of character on new Star Trek already. And I think it's good. I think it's one of the things that makes this episode so interesting and this character so interesting to me is it's not a type of character that I'm familiar with. And I would imagine many other viewers are as well. I, yeah. What we've gotten so far has been a lot of like emotionally non-aggressive. Yeah. And it's nice to get like the- Like a powerful character that- Yeah, yeah. I really agree with that. It kind of hearing you say that kind of reminds me of something that we talked to Danielle Radford on this show a long time ago. I think she came on right after season one of Discovery and we spoke to her about the difference between Cisco and Michael Burnham as characters where Cisco was depicted as being almost a Paragon type mm -hmm. character. And while mm -hmm. that was really important for black representation in Star Trek, she really appreciated Michael Burnham being a character with internal conflict and right. a character that makes mistakes and then has to solve their own mistakes. Right. And I kind of feel like real diversity and representation is diversity of all kinds. Like there are good characters exactly. and bad characters yeah. and characters that are big and bombastic and characters that are comparatively meek. And, and there are characters that are good and evil. Yeah. And I think that uh, Star Trek is really delivering on that with a character like Captain Angel. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's a really good episode. It's definitely light. Like mm -hmm. the entrepreneur gets lured into trap after trap after trap. And it's like it doesn't necessarily reflect great on Pike or 
La'an, that they just fall for these traps over and over and over again. Right. But but it's not just them falling into the traps independently. They're being led there by someone that they have thought they could trust. Right. So that's part of it too. Yeah. So, I mean, for the sake of getting into a great adventure, I'm all for it. And anything that gets us to that end moment, I'm ready to sign off on no matter what. <laughs> it is going to be so upsetting if next episode is not about Cybok at all, if we just <laughs> let it lay here for a while. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll get over it. I'll survive, but I just want some Cybok shit to happen, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like they don't have Cybok cast based on the way they shot it, you know? Dude, this was just what I was going to ask you. Do you feel like there's a chance of stunt casting here or... Or what? Because the Lawrence Luckenbill Cybok, I am meaning this with utter sincerity, is iconic. Absolutely. You know I'm right. He is incredible as that character. And as difficult as it has got to be to cast for a lot of legacy Star Trek characters like they have in new Star Trek, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that one. <laughs> I don't either. I was thinking maybe it's Ethan Peck in a wig. But oh shit! I don't know. Yeah, like that. I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily the the right choice. It was just a thing that occurred to me based on yeah. the Kirk conversations that we've been having. Right. But yeah, I mean, I'm psyched about the whole situation, and I'm also really psyched about getting into our priority one inbox, Adam. Yeah. Let's see if there are any surprises at the end of these. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is from Nicole, and it is to Will. That message goes like this. Imzadi, you kind, charming, daring man. My heart skips a beat when I see that twinkle in your eye, but breaks knowing we can't be together absent some fuckery involving chroniton particles. (laughs) I was born 35 years too late or 350 years too early, so I find what solace I can in the husband who introduced me to and even gamely cosplayed you. Wow. Very sweet. Our next Priority One message is from Nicole, and it's to Kevin. It goes like this. My birthday P1 really backfired when Ben told me to leave you to find a Riker type. But you are a Riker type. Absent some fuckery involving chroniton particles that makes the genuine article available, I'm very lucky to have found you. Thanks for introducing me to Trek, letting me introduce you to the greatest Trek, and even gamely cosplaying Will Riker. Wow. Hey, two P1s from the same person. So Nicole was talking to Will Riker that first time. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then talking to their uh, husband, Actual. Yeah, Kevin, who cosplayed Will Riker. Wow. Second time. Amazing. I... I don't think you see too many Will Riker cosplays out there. I think it's hard to do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's got such a specific look. Like, you can't just put on the red uniform and grow a beard and be Will Riker. Not a chance. There's something else there. Yeah. I think Nicole and Kevin sounded like a really cool couple. Any old ding dong could be Tom Riker. (laughs) Just grow those sideburns out. Yeah. That's all you need to do. That's what you got to do. 
Well, if you'd like to get a priority one message on the show, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set it up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! Ooh, I am going to give it to Nurse Chapel for this one. Both for the fun and games of Nurse Chapel being the person who is alone, you know, dieharding through the ship. Uh-huh. As far as she knows, the only person that hasn't been taken custody for a lot of this episode, but also just for Jess Bush's performance in this episode. I, I really feel like she is emerging as one of the strongest characters on the show. And uh, I thought this was a uniquely great episode for that. So she's going to be my Edward Larkin today. She's going to be mine too, Ben. My reason is going to be a little different. I mean, the Larkin is often given to the most foolish character in an episode. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, she is made to, like the Cardigan song goes, be the love fool at the end. Damn. And I think her performance is so powerful during those consecutive scenes that, I mean, I think any feeling person really feels for her in those moments. I, I sure did. Yeah. And I think you're right about her character and her performance, like- I think there are a lot of candidates for favorite character on Strange New Worlds, but I would be really surprised if at the next convention we go to, she isn't greeted like a massive star. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, uh, this has been a really fun episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it out there. If you did, maybe uh, leave us a nice review on social media and uh, listen to the credits to find out a little bit about episode 8 of season 1. This better be about Cyborg, Windy. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's not, just make something up about Cyborg. If it's not, you might as well just resign now. (laughs) (laughs) The next episode of Strange New Worlds must be exposed and reckoned with. Episode 8 is called The Elysian Kingdom. The USS Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness that traps the crew in a fairy tale. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by me. Each week, we want to say thank you to Adam Garcia, who composed all of the original music that you hear on this show. He has a podcast and a YouTube cooking channel. Just search for Adam Ragusia. And thank you to Bill Tilly, the card daddy and social media director for Uxbridge Shimoda. Make sure you're following the show on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek. And use the hashtag Greatest Discovery to talk about the show online. You can support the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery with a monthly gift at MaximumFun.org join. And we really appreciate everybody who does that. You can also gain strength from the sharing of this show with someone that you think would enjoy it. It's your recommendations that really help us grow. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of The Greatest Discovery. Hey, can I can I pause us for a second? Yeah, sure. You want to hit the uh you want to just pause the elevator? 
No, I, I want the I want to stop the conversation. Oh, I want to get off. <laughs> Jesus. Do you think I could go out and look at the cool backhoe in front of my house then? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.